There we go. <laughs> I'm a little late with the... There we go. I'm a little late pressing the button, which happens sometimes. But this is AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. And I even... What what do I usually say? It's a... We're a podcast by, for, and about people who have found a secular path to sobriety in Alcoholics Anonymous. And this is our Friday live stream. I'm here with my co-host, Angela. How you doing, Angela? Good. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. And, <laughs> and we have a special guest. His name is Dale Kay, and he wrote a book called A Secular Sobriety. How you doing, Gail? Dale? I'm good. Hi, John. Hi, Angela. And hi, everybody listening. I, and thank you very much for inviting me tonight. Well, it was uh, nice of you to come here on such short notice. You know, uh, we uh, sometimes don't know what we're going to talk about until like just the day before we start. <laughs> so that's when we reached well, out to you. You know, it, it gave me something to do. You know, back in my drinking days, Friday was always my to howl because I had a fresh paycheck. So uh, this this is my big Friday night now. Cool. <laughs> so we're going to talk about. Um, oh, before we do that, though. Before we get into the, the, the matter at hand today, which is going to be uh, a discussion of uh, we agnostics and the way that Dale wrote it and um, ideas that you might have for the how you would like to write it, um, I want to I um, say some thank yous real quick. Um, first of all, I want to thank um, Arthur M., um, who donated $200 the other day. That was just, just incredible. I really appreciate that. I don't say thank you very much, but um, I, I, and I need to get better at it because I really do appreciate it. That helps out tremendously. And he wrote a nice little note about how he likes the podcast. And I think he's, he, I think he said he's 40 years sober and that, that this uh, podcast has been a breath of fresh air. So, oh man, it's just, it's just wonderful to hear that. Thank you for saying that. And we also got a couple of emails and I just like, let, let us share a little bit about those. Um, first of all, I got an email from Ryan who's writing us She's from uh, California, Humboldt County, and she said that she's um, constantly struggling with the heavy Christian tone of most of her local meetings, that she's working the steps for the first time, and she's still seeking to define what her concept of a higher power is. So that'll be interesting. We'll be talking about that a little bit here today. And as a podcast lover, she stumbled upon this podcast, and she says it's been a lifeline. She said, extend her gratitude to our my co-host, Angela who shares really speak to her. She's really leaning into the step series that we did last year. And it's been so helpful. And that, that was just so nice to hear. And oh, and by the way, she was 90 days sober when she wrote that email. So congratulations, Aww. Ryan. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. It's so wonderful to hear that. And I'm glad that the step series was helpful for you. And I'm glad that we did that again. And particularly that I was able to do that with Angela. I think that her perspective helped a lot. Um, it's, you know, I hear from women more often than not about those step studies. And it's usually Angela that they, that they like hearing about. So, you know, that was good to have her on there. And then we also got an email from Tia uh, Meyer, Tia M. And Tia says that she's new to AA. And she's had a hard time with the G word. And she felt like she, it was keeping her from making progress because she couldn't get past step one. So she happened upon this uh, website and the podcast. She says it makes her laugh and cry. And she says that she's happy that she's not alone and that she can succeed in staying sober. So yeah, you certainly can. And thank you, Tia, for writing. Thank you, Ryan. 
Thank you, Arthur. Thank you for everybody who has helped out this podcast um, and website. I really appreciate it. So anyway, <laughs> there we go. Wanted, wanted to do that. Um, so we agnostics. Dale. Yes, sir. <laughs> so you <laughs> you you wrote a book called A Secular Sobriety, which is basically a um, secular version of the big book. And of the first 164 pages. Yeah, just the first yes. 164. And, you know, you, you really, you were, it was really interesting the way you wrote it because it, you, you just made some very subtle changes. You, would, you tried to stay pretty true to the original text, but you made some subtle changes, which turned out to be fairly significant. And we agnostics is one of those chapters that you re, you rewrote, and that's one of the chapters that uh, probably is one of the most hated chapters in, in our community, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, why don't you why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your book, why you wrote it, and then maybe talk about um, the chapter to the agnostics and what you didn't like about it, and also what you think the author, the original author of the original chapter, was trying to say. Okay, well, um, you know, the, the reason I wrote the book is uh, because I was angry. And, uh, <laughs> uh, Most people had, just start uh, another meeting when they get angry in, in AA, <laughs> but you wrote a book. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I had been going to a, a secular meeting since the mid-80s exclusively you know I, I left traditional AA and was just going to this secular a meeting and uh, when I first got sober in 81 um, I was given the the fourth edition which was, or excuse me the third edition which was printed in in 79 and um, so for you know, 25 years, I knew nothing about traditional AA anymore. I had no contact with them. And then I moved away, and my new town had nothing like my old meeting. So I started going to traditional meetings again. And I happened to be in a, a big book meeting. And so the next week, uh, there, there was a guy there that I enjoyed uh, so, uh, the next week I came with my, uh, third edition big book and, and, uh, it didn't take me long to realize that, uh, what they were reading and, and what I had in my book was different. I think it was like the page numbers or something were different or something, but, um, anyway, uh, it was only then that I found out that there was a new edition. That was... oh, I think we lost him for a little bit. See. This was like 2012 or 13 or something. So I, I was like a dozen years behind. <laughs> but anyway, I, um, I was very curious about the new edition, and, and I bought one. And when I got home, I, I was very uh, – eager to to find out what was in it and what had changed and stuff. And I, I thought, surely, you know, uh, in the last 20 so years. Uh-oh. Well, he'll come back. I think that Dale was having some internet problems. Anyway, 
But I remember that story. He said that he, he, he was expecting that the big book would be different because it was a new version. And of course it wasn't any different at all. They just changed, they just changed the stories. So Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And that reminds me of when I was looking into AA to get sober and uh, and had attended Alateen um, and so went online and there was the pamphlet um, for the newcomer, um, I believe, and it uh, and it said that AA was open to everyone of uh, to people of all beliefs and non beliefs. And so I thought, woohoo, they progressed. And I went to a meeting and they were godding all over the place. And so I left. <laughs> so, yes, very familiar with that. Well, so the chapter to the agnostics is, is really kind of an interesting chapter, I guess, um, from, from where I'm at now. And I think where other people are too. Um, but you know, I, I started my journey in sobriety and a real, in, in AA in a real traditional way, I suppose, um, at least from my perspective, um, you know, reading the big book re- repeatedly and, uh, the we agnostics is one of those chapters that, um, that I read and I, I, I considered it to be, um, step two, which is basically coming to believe that, you know, a power greater in yourself could restore you to sanity. Um, now I don't think of it that way now, but that's, that's, that's what I, I thought of the book. I thought of that chapter then as step two. And, um, and I, and I read it and I tried to, I tried to get something good out of it. And I don't, I don't think it really bothered me very much all those years that I was reading it. Um, there were some chapters, some paragraphs in the book that I thought were, you know, helpful. Um, but after some time had passed and I realized I was an atheist and I read that book and I thought to myself, and I, I read that chapter and I thought to myself, man, they don't, th- this is not right. <laughs> this book, this, the chapter, you would think it's about uh, how agnostics and atheists can get sober too. But instead it turns out that it's just trying to preach to the atheists and agnostics so that they too can believe in a God and become sober. Right. So, a little yeah. Disappointing and when we, we were doing our step series, um, I mentioned before, it's been almost a year, I think. I think we started it in August of last year or maybe, yeah, something like that. Um, But uh, when I was talking about that uh, on step two, um, I was talking about how I took people through the steps who uh, mostly were in places where they could only attend traditional traditional, I'm using air quotes uh, there <laughs> that nobody can see, uh, traditional meetings um, so that they would fit, be able to fit in if they attended like a, a, a big book meeting where they read each uh, chapter, things like that. And it, it was really more to give them, um, you know, continue the hope, you know, because all of us generally want to fit in when we get to AA, we want to be accepted. And so um, part of how I would take people through the steps and how I was taken through with step two was to go through that chapter and um, underline or write out all of the different terms for higher power that was in there so that um, so that the women that I was working with concentrated on that part rather than the um, the yeah. <laughs> the, the basically you know putting uh agnostics and atheists down and and trying to convince you that you'll believe and stuff like that so channeling the the energy to to something that is a little more productive um but again the reason i brought it up as uh 
when we were talking about it is that's when, you know, pre COVID. And so now, um, people can attend secular meetings everywhere. And so a lot of the people that are, are listening to our podcast now uh, may not ever have to attend a secular meet, or I mean a traditional meeting again, um, even if they live in, in faraway places because of Zoom. Um, and a lot of our meetings are still going to be on Zoom um, long after this is over. So, you know, so I've, I've had to adjust that a little bit because some of the people that I work with now are people who, um, who contact me to um, ask for help or guidance or anything on the steps, um, it's not as, as much of an issue because they, they have more options and don't necessarily have to attend a meeting where this chapter is read out loud and, and such. So anyway, it was just a, something that I, I thought of when we were talking about this is that, yeah, that's kind of how I used to do things. But now I don't know that, that I would need to do that anymore. Um, I found that, that uh, the staying sober without God introduction, like the first chapter of it pretty much takes care of that. <laughs> you know, I think it says it in a better way. And so when you're talking about rewriting it, I'm like, I, well, I don't think I'd rewrite it, you know, I, I would just, you know, leave it as a historical document. And, uh, and then I would use uh, some other material. And as we can see, we have lots of different material now. And, and I'm sure that, uh, that we'll get some more out there as as things continue. But you did rewrite it. So I do you want to read some of what you I, I can. Now, now, the reason I did it is this was I back in uh 2014 that was way back then yeah it was was a while ago it seems like it anyway but (laughs) at that time that was when I was coming out as an atheist to my home group Mm. and it was a very difficult time for me because um I I, it wasn't it wasn't really accepted by by everybody and, and and at all you know really and I was I was so uncomfortable at that at that group and it was um, a bunch of people that I'd been around for some twenty five years and to suddenly feel like I had to walk on eggshells when I was around them and to tiptoe over all the words that I would hear in the meetings and uh, try to hold back what I really wanted to say it was just incredibly frustrating so I wrote a lot back then and oh there he comes back. And I wrote from, hi, Dale. I'm just blabbering right now. I'm going to continue blabbering for a little bit. <laughs> I'm talking about my, my we agnostics okay. now. <laughs> I was telling Angela. Did that, I go away? Yeah, you, you dropped off. You dropped off. I think it was your internet. Yep. Yep. But anyway, so we're going to get back to you, Dale. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we we're just talking about how. You know, you rewrote this. Angela was talking, and I agree with Angela. Her her, her um, point was that you know the big book should just be an historical document. No need to rewrite it. You just move on. We have more modern literature now nowadays. And then she said, "Well, John, you did rewrite this." And I said, "Yeah, I did." But the reason that I did was for my own benefit. I was I was coming from the perspective of that was how I understood recovery was the big book, and what I was doing at that time is I was reinterpreting it in my own way, in my own secular way. And when I, when I read that chapter to the agnostics, I really felt that Bill W. missed the boat there because it, it really could have been an opportunity to try to bring together, bring people together rather than to divide them into camps of, um, of believers who are right and non-believers who need to convert. 
And so when I wrote it, I'm just going to read one little paragraph that I wrote that just kind of summarizes, I think, um, how I, I felt it could be more, um, I guess, I don't know. This is what I wrote. Though we respect and honor the experiences of our more religious members, we agnostics and atheists do not believe this help comes from God. However, we find no conflict with those who choose to define their experience in spiritual terms. We share the believer's humbling admission of powerlessness over alcohol, and we recognize that we must seek help from a power that is greater than ourselves. For many of us who are agnostic or atheists, this power comes from the combined experience of our fellow alcoholics who preceded us in recovery. So I'm just basically saying there that, you know, we have more in common than not. It's just that, you know, those who who do believe in God, they're going to describe their recovery and what empowers them to stay sober a little bit differently than the one who's an atheist. But when you really get down to it, the experience is essentially the same. And anyway, so, but they, they didn't go that route when they wrote this in 1939. So anyway, Dale, back to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I I don't know what you missed or what, what you didn't. I, I was sitting here rambling and then it occurred to me <laughs> that nobody was listening. <laughs> something, was, something was wrong. Uh, but uh, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, um, you know, we all have our own paths, and the truth is, I think we all kind of do the same sort of things, but we label it differently, we look at it differently, we see it differently. Uh, so it's uh, it's like we're all, you know, we're all joining in fellowship. We're, you know, many of us work the steps, uh, and whether we're interpreting them differently or or not or looking at this chapter we agnostics differently and and interpreting it for ourselves we're all really kind of doing it the same way and uh you know so it it, it, it's just i don't know it I, i find it rather confusing that that um people insist that uh, others are doing something, doing it wrong. You know, uh, I mean, I, you know, if, if you do it right, you're going to stay sober. If you do it wrong, you're not. Uh, well, I know a lot of people that are doing it wrong and staying sober. And I know a lot of people who are doing it right and getting drunk. So, you know, it, it just doesn't hold up. But anyway, uh, that's my two cents. There you go. Uh, <laughs> no, I no no, I agree with you on that. Um, and I I think essentially um, when this this chapter, if you if you take out all of the verbiage about you know why or, or why one must believe in a power greater than themselves, even if you take out that language higher power and power greater than yourselves, take all that stuff away. Essentially, what we're driving at here is that um, we are at a point in our lives where we've already admitted that we have a problem with alcohol, that we need help, and that we're just we're just kind of coming to the conclusion that there are some other people out there, there are other resources out there that we can um, um, reach out for help with our problem. 
And I think that, um, this, the, that there's a certain amount of, um, obstacles that we put in front of ourselves, or at least I did that would prevent me from asking for help. And, uh, that was the most difficult part. Once I overcame the fear or whatever it was that kept me from asking for help. Once I, once I did ask for help and, uh, it put me on the path to recovery. Yes, absolutely. And you know, the, uh, I, I didn't write this book to, uh, have people accept my interpretation of any part of this program or fellowship, uh, what I really wanted to do and the real purpose of the book is to allow people to understand that you can interpret it for yourself and it's okay. Uh, you know, to give people that, that freedom to, um, to look at it in a way that makes sense to them, uh, is very empowering. Right. Yeah. Since it was, you know, this guy, you know, even wrote a book about it. So if he can write a book about his version of it, then I can definitely rewrite, you know, or, you know, do it in a way that makes sense to me. Um, one of the things I, I, I laughed at, and uh, I think somebody posted it earlier today, um, was a part of your book. And I think in the, in the original text where you're, echoing it was um let's see um the oh um we have numerous theories for example about electricity you know everybody <laughs> believes them without a murmur of doubt why why this ready acceptance you know simply because it is impossible to explain what we see feel direct and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. And so basically it's, it's trying to get at that, you know, we, not everybody can explain how electricity works. And so therefore, you know, maybe keep an open mind about the whole God thing, um, which still, you know, I thought was condescending, <laughs> but I loved your version, which is, uh, let's see if I can, I can read it right. Um, the prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. <laughs> and so it just made me laugh uh, reading that as, you know, the example or the way that you changed it. And that is more, you know, present day uh, knowledge and uh, or theory and, and all of that. Um, and yeah. so, uh, so yeah, so I, I loved that. And I, I can assure you that I didn't laugh uh, when I read or when I've read <laughs> We Agnostics. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was a nice uh, change. <laughs> one of uh, uh, Peter T, uh, do you know who I'm talking about? Peter mm -hmm. T. Oh, Peter T. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he loves that prosaic girder thing. Yes, it, it's yeah. the best. It made me laugh so hard. Uh, it, you know, he he'll say uh, something like "believe because prosaic girders." <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we should get that. I think just Peter and I should get together and make t-shirts for the next <laughs> conference that say that. So Absolutely. Peter, get a hold of me. I, I think we're on to something. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, the, the, the truth is I, I'm uh, an electrician. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been an electrician most of my life, and I was an electrical contractor, and I have a you know a very good understanding of electricity. Uh, but you know the the notion that well you can't see it, but we believe in it. So why not God? <laughs> Wait a minute. We missed, we missed a couple steps here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a little dissonance there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So but, does um, anybody want to call in and, and share with us if they've rewritten them or if they're inspired by Dale or John to rewrite them? Or what, what are your thoughts about uh, this chapter? Because I know in... Uh, in the more traditional meetings that I've, ascend, I've attended, people have a lot of opinions about this. And then in the secular meetings I've attended, if this comes up, there are also a lot of opinions about, about this. And so we would love to hear from you guys uh, and gals. I guess y'all is, is really a good way to, to uh encompass everybody without being gender specific it's just really strange to me to to try to say that because yeah it's not part of my i think in uh, missouri you're allowed to say (laughs) y'all yeah 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 that makes me very comfortable too in Idaho, we should as well because we have, you know, farms and cowboys and stuff. So, <laughs> you, you know, I, I don't know how well it would go down in Portland or I Seattle. But, I, I always um, think Idaho should be very folksy. Very folksy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know what yeah. I was thinking about when you were talking about how some of the more traditional groups and so forth might read this, you know, differently and everything. You know what I was thinking about? I actually read, reread the, the chapter in the big book today and there's a paragraph there that I have heard people call the quote bedevilments and the bedevilments mm. are opposite of the promises. So the bedevilments mm. are saying all the things that are wrong with, with us, you know, like we're mm. miserable we're we don't have good relationships, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> These are the bedevilments. And then you have the promises that counter them later on. I don't know if that was actually on purpose that they did that. And I always found it weird, though, when I started hearing people do that, they would always talk about those bedevilments. I'm like, what are you talking about bedevilments? <laughs> well, they're there. They're there in the, <laughs> the agnostics uh, chapter. Yes, the bedevilments. You know, a lot of, a lot of people uh, misunderstand secular people. Uh, I, I remember I was... Uh, I was on the beach one evening uh, down in Florida where I live, and uh, uh, I, we, we did turtle walks, you know, where we introduced people to sea turtles and stuff. And uh, I was walking up and down the beach with this guy that was from a uh, religious college in my hometown. And we were talking about religion, and it was a very friendly conversation. And he said something about uh, atheists being angry. And mm. I said, what makes, you, what makes you think atheists are angry? And he says, I don't know. He says, I just know that it's true. Because I met John H. <laughs> from Washington, D.C. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, you know, there, there are a few of us uh, belligerent savages, if you will, you know. That, yeah. Uh, like, we we but, get uh, angry. Um, yeah. I mean, there, well, there are so, things. Yeah. And so do religious people. Exactly. 
One of the things you know, um, on when we had the the Toronto conference, I didn't get to share this uh, with many people, but uh, I had multiple legs of the flight home because it wasn't, you know, uh, inexpensive to get from Boise to Toronto. <laughs> and um, on my flight home from Toronto, um, I, I was sitting next to a minister um, and I only know this because he's the one who's talking to me. I'm, you know, I'm introverted, but yeah. And so it was an interesting conversation having, uh, just left a secular AA conference. And here we have a caller and they've been on hold Excellent. for a while because I wasn't noticing them. Hello. 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 This is Fred in uh, Virginia. Hi, Fred. I spoke with you last week. You on sure the week did. Before, I think. You sure did. Hey, I'm well, sorry. How that, are you all doing? I'm doing good. How are you? How are you all doing? Y'all, we all are doing fine. Um, I'm sorry that I had uh, you on hold for so long. I just didn't notice. I didn't have the screen up that shows the people calling in. So what, what's going on with you over there, oh, Fred? Don't worry. Don't worry about that. I'm enjoying the conversation. Uh, John and, uh, and Dale and uh, uh, everybody, uh, I, I like the topic. Uh, I I was thinking some some thoughts on it, and I know how we've become a new awareness in consciousness, and that the rules are changing. Uh, but as the alcoholics all suffer from the disease, I don't find that I really comprehend some of the things because uh, my my thought is, is on it if uh, we have this new awareness and consciousness and we've always had it we just weren't aware of it that we didn't wake up to the fact but does it is it ever lasting and if you don't believe there's a place as the afterlife, uh, how how could it be this awareness of uh, be the future of sobriety? Because all we have is now, but now just went by. So so if you if you're thinking uh you you had sobriety a moment ago. It's the next moment in the future that is the opportunity for sobriety. So, if you're aware of the consciousness of of sobriety is your future, uh, then it's our responsibility to try to help those who still suffer. And whether they suffer because they're an agnostic or because they're just an alcoholic, I don't know the difference in that. Yeah, wow. I like that. I like can that you concept. Explain it to me? Um, Dale can, might be can able you to explain it. <laughs> Dale, you want to take that one? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what I'm explaining, but I, I, I kind of agree with that notion, you know, it, you know, the, this, this idea of being in the present, uh, you know, you know, I was sober a second ago, and I'm going to be sober a second from now. Uh, but right here and now, I am sober. And 
you know, one of the things I had to learn in sobriety was uh, how to keep my mind and my feet in the same place. And that is a, a very uh, powerful uh, concept for me uh, so that I'm not uh, uh, feeling a lot of guilt about the past or a lot of trepidation about the future or too much hope for the, in the future or whatever. You know, uh, allowing myself to just be in the present uh, allows me to enjoy everything that is going on right now. Like, you know, I'm sitting on my sofa and I'm looking out the window and I have a bird feeder outside the window and a car don't just came by. And uh, for me to be able to see that and appreciate it and enjoy it uh, for what it is, you know, and, you know, the caller was talking about consciousness and, uh, you know, it's just an evolutionary thing. We have more consciousness than that, that Cardinal does, but that Cardinal has some consciousness too, although he, he depends more on instinct than conscious. Uh, it, it, um, he just not as developed as we are. And we like to think that we're we're terribly developed, but the truth is, uh, our our consciousness is kind of killing us, because, <laughs> you know, we're we're destroying everything around us. Uh, but um, I don't. Know, I think you know, that, Rumi, Rumi said this a, a, a long time ago. Rumi said this. He said something to the realization of self when he realized his self. Uh, he realized he didn't know very much. You know. So that's why more can be revealed. But uh, recently I celebrated 33 years and I was thinking that uh, you know sobriety's future it, it, it's a it's a, a developmental stage because if if you don't agree with the big book from 39 and you want to improve on the idea of as we understand we don't really understand very much do we no we well, just think we know everything well, I do appreciate you calling. Um, you, you made some interesting points there. W when you were talking, though, you, you, you reminded me of something that I read in the big book in, in this particular chapter that I did disagree with. And that is that the assumption that is um, that if you don't believe in God, that therefore life has no meaning, that it just exists for, you know, that it's meaningless. And And I have always, I've never really understood that because I think that we bring meaning to our lives and I'm okay with there not being an afterlife. I'm, I'm okay with, with not knowing how the universe came about, although we have a pretty good idea. Um, that stuff is okay, but it you didn't know, come about. It always existed. Well, yeah, the big bang, whatever. Anyway, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying though? It's just like, you know, I don't think that, I don't think that, that um, means you're a creationist. If you, that means you're a creationist. If you think it came about, well, you know, we can talk about that on a science podcast or something. <laughs> there was, <laughs> I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a science podcast. 
<laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, you better get going. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it very much. Call back hey, again thanks, sometime. Thanks a lot. I'll, I'll talk with you another time. All right. Bye bye. And you just uh, just be aware that uh, you know a uh, uh, life is life is only what you put into it. True. It's what you get out of it. True. So if you put uh, if you put good thoughts in your mind, you're going to have good thoughts. Yeah. All right. right. Take care now. Take care now. Bye bye. Okay, there we go. That, that's uh, an idea. Oh, I'm sorry, John. I didn't mean to interrupt, but you know, he, uh, <laughs> this idea of an afterlife, or uh, you know, all it, it goes towards the, the notion of wanting to extend your life, you know, and, and not have it end. And uh, I, I was uh, I was reading. Uh, a couple of weeks ago about um, this sort of thing. And it said that, you know, our, our entire lives, we, we seek more knowledge. And uh, one lifetime is enough knowledge, is all the knowledge that we need. If, if we were to have more than this lifetime, we would learn too much and it would drive us crazy. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and, and, and I, I mean, I haven't thought through that, but it, it, it's an interesting concept, you know, to, to know too much. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, and I think we, I think we get bored. Yeah, I think we get bored. If you've, if you haven't watched The Good Place, uh, it's one of my favorite shows, and uh, oh, and it yeah, kind of <laughs> yeah, it kind of explores that in the last season of you know of what that might be like, and and I I really love how they did it. It's it's a well written show, so check it out if if you haven't out there. Um, I think one of the things that John was trying to to you know get to was the whole morality issue that uh, that it seems that that some people. Um, have the idea that if you um, that if you don't believe in an afterlife or don't believe in some sort of intervening higher power, um, then you're you can't have uh, morals. And um, and so I think that's where you're going. Am I wrong, John? Yeah, that's right. I think yeah, because I I can't I, I don't know what Fred was actually getting at there, but he just kind of triggered me to think back to what the We Agnostics chapter was saying about how you know I was trying to convince the reader to believe in God because if you don't believe in God, life has no meaning basically. And I just I just find that argument to be um, kind of ridiculous. I I. Because I, I do believe that we bring meaning to our own lives, but um, uh, absolutely, Dale. You mentioned when we were talking before we started recording that if you were to write this book today, it would be a different book. That you've evolved a lot since you've um, written this. In what ways did you re- did, have you evolved in your thinking? Well, yes, it, it would be a different book because I'm uh, I'm thinking different you know I've, I've learned more things and i'm 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 curious about more things uh, yeah i know that uh i've know, thought about did, for it, oh go ahead sorry i thought you paused you know, if, yeah i i would i would be very bored with myself if if i was content with uh 
my old thinking. Um, yeah, this book is it's three years old, and 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 I'm very happy to know that I've evolved a little bit from it. And, and the the primary uh, place where I've been uh, uh, thinking or, or uh, that I've, I've been trying to uh, come to better understanding uh, is with language, uh, the kind of language that we use. And, and I know, you know, in the book, you know, you know, obviously rewriting the book is, is changing language. Uh, but I've, I've taken a lot of it a little bit farther. Uh, like, uh, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is the term spirituality. Do I really need that term in my life? I mean, there's, uh, do I need that to describe the love and kindness and empathy that I have for others and for myself? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, do I need the term a higher power? Uh, higher to me, you know, means that it's like, some kind of like hovering above me or, or you know, taller than me. Uh, I, I don't think that word fits properly. Uh, I, I would prefer greater power. There, there's a lot of powers that, there's a lot of things that are more stronger than, than I am uh, that have more power than I do. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it, it Higher powers don't really exist in my life, you know, but greater powers do. Angela, what were you thinking? So things like that. Uh, I was thinking that, you know, my first sponsor suggested that I rewrite the book. And, uh, and you know, the book that I would have written at that time would be different than the book that, you know, I wrote when I was three years sober than the book I wrote when I was seven years sober then, you know. And so each time I get the idea, like, you know, I should write a book, you know, there's that part of me that's like, um, yeah, then, you know, in three years, you're going to think something different and you might be embarrassed by <laughs> the book that you wrote. <laughs> so maybe you should wait a little while and see what happens. But uh, but who knows? I agree with with what um, what Bree said in uh, the chat, um, you know, about, um, you know, COVID and accelerating, um, you know, new literature. Um, I don't necessarily know that we all need to write new big books, but um, but I think having people write, you know, more literature about how um, being sober is working in their life now in a secular way would would be, you know, fantastic because I'm, I'm a yes and person when it comes to things like this, you know, the, the more people write, the better. I may not agree with everybody, but that might speak to somebody that, that doesn't relate to me. And, and I would love to have that material out there to be able to point them in that direction so that they have something that gives them hope that they can get and stay sober. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how COVID-19 does affect um, Alcoholics Anonymous because there are so many people now that are getting sober for the first time in these Zoom meetings. And there are people who are meeting um, uh, other AAs from other parts of the world and other parts of the country, learning new things from each other. 
Um, for example, our group has um, discovered a uh, meeting at the Children of Chaos group in Austin that that actually Bree wants to start doing and things like that. You know, we're just kind of picking up from each other. And, you know, I can see that there's going to be a need for, you know, there's going to be some sort of a change, I think, um, possibly maybe for the better um, for Alcoholics Anonymous. Right you know, I've uh, I've been attending a lot of Zoom meetings, and and I've noticed that the dynamics is different. Uh, and e- even my, my own uh, dynamics, if you will, uh, I'm I'm much more comfortable in a Zoom meeting being candid than I am in a face to face meeting, and I, I think that. Well, I'd like to think that other people uh, are, are more comfortable uh, being themselves also. Uh, and so I, I think that just that, instead of trying to be a, a people pleaser or trying to go along to get along kind of thing, is, 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 is changing because of Zoom. Uh, there, there's, yeah. there's, there's truly more anonymity if you will, because you're, you're just sitting at home instead of in a face-to-face meeting. Right. Yeah. I like that, um, that, you know, I can talk with people all over the world and attend meetings all over the world and make friends, um, all over the world. Although, you know, I, I am American, so I may not ever get to see them again, (laughs) you know, in person. It depends on if uh, Americans are allowed to ever visit other countries. Um, but, uh, you know, I love all of that part. Um, I've made some great, great friendships, uh, since this started that I don't know that, that I would have before. Um, because we've had to rearrange our time differently, you know, so even if you're in the workforce, you know, your time is, is rearranged, um, different than it was pre COVID. Um, so, so there's that the one difficulty I, I have, or, you know, I think with zoom meetings, um, is that, uh, is that it's not as easy to um, to intuit or to to feel when another member is struggling and stuff. It's it's a lot easier to keep that hidden because you know you can just either have your your video off or not talk or you know there's a lot of ways in which you can um, can keep that uh, uh, to yourself and um, and I think that at the in person meetings. At least for me, I felt like that that was harder to do. Like, you know, I I'm one of those people that if one of my home group members came up to me and said, you know, how are you? How are you doing? I'd start crying if I wasn't doing well. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. I would just start crying, <laughs> you know, and uh, and that's you know, that's not really the same on Zoom. You know, um, and uh, so that's a, an element that that I miss and that I, I think was helpful within the um, home group community, particularly is that, you know, is that, you know, when you're in person with other people, there there is an, an energy and you can feel sometimes when somebody's hurting and you can also relate to them or show them that you care, you know, even without talking about whatever is bothering them. And so, you know, oftentimes they or I, you know, 
leave the meeting feeling better, knowing that, you know, I've at least been seen by somebody and that they, they, you know, know or care or, you know, something along those lines. Um, so I think that's the, a little bit of a difference in, in the Zoom. No, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Angela. I think, too, about how I felt as a newcomer at my first meeting. And it, obviously it was in 1988 pre-internet. It was not an online meeting. <laughs> and, um, and I just remember feeling, I, I felt like I felt a sense of relief and I felt like the people in the room really cared and they didn't even have to say anything. It was just a feeling that I got from them. I'm not, I'm not so sure if I would get that from a zoom meeting, you know, but the newcomers are getting something different, you know, that still helps. Right. And depending on the the ages, too, I think younger newcomers are are, you know, more okay with this because a lot of them have lived their lives, you know, through their phone. And uh, and, uh, you know, I was talking with people before this, the COVID happened about how difficult some uh, younger people, um, you know, like the ages 18 to, to 24, were having with actually making friends in real life, <laughs> you know, because they didn't quite know how to do that. They knew how to text um, their friends and stuff, but to meet new people and form friendships was difficult for them. And uh, and so I think that's, you know, where the Zoom maybe have has a leg up is with our younger members and that they, you know, can interact, they can get the information they're looking for. And it's in a, a way that they're more comfortable with. Um, and so, you know, who knows, maybe that will be a, a benefit for them and, uh, and keep them sober. But yeah, I don't know what it would have been like if yeah. this had happened when I got sober. I mean, we still had flip phones, I think. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I think the, the the truth is, I think the the good parts of Zoom and the good parts of face to face meetings will what is what will remain later. Yeah, I you hope know, so. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that the Zoom, I think that the online meetings were, are going to be permanent, and I think that that's a good thing. Um, I really like the creative things that some groups have done by putting on like these um, workshops and seminars about different topics. Those have been really interesting. And, you know, I've gone to some that were just, you know, basically traditional non-secular groups and, you know, like on AA history and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's pretty cool. It's kind of creative and live streams that people are doing and podcasts. It's just all kinds of different ways now to, um, you know, connect with other people in the program. You know, I, I actually miss the face-to-face mit- meetings because uh, one of my favorite parts of the meeting was the meeting after the meeting. If you, that, yeah. You know, uh, uh, a group of us would always go to dinner afterwards, you know, or we'd go out for coffee or, or something like that. And it was that, that connection being made in that more intimate setting you know, instead of just the meeting room uh, is what has always been valuable to me from the very beginning. uh, I remember my first, first or second meeting, these, this group of people invited me to go to Denny's for coffee. And I was, I was like really quite taken aback because nobody had invited me to go anywhere for a long time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
I was like, what was, what's wrong with these people? Why do they want to be around me? Uh, but, uh, so it, it, it's been something that has been a part of my sobriety from the very beginning. And so I, I, I absolutely do miss that. And I look forward to it again, but I, I love the, this Zoom stuff. I mean, earlier this week, I, I was in a meeting in Ireland. I mean, A, with an Irish accent. How much better can it get? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think of one of the new ways after COVID as well is that uh, I, I keep harassing John that I think we need to take our, our show on tour and that we need to go <laughs> and do the podcast, uh, live podcast from different meetings and stuff. Um, and uh, I, I think I think that'll be fun. I think it'll be a new thing and uh, and I'm looking forward to it. So, you know, everybody out there push for, for you know, the vaccine so that uh, so that I can uh, travel the world, basically. <laughs> Do it for me. Yeah. Well, you know, I haven't been attending very many meetings lately. Just simply I just I don't know. I, I thought I've been talking about this a lot and maybe I'm just telling myself I need to get kick myself in the butt and go. But I just feel like I've been so busy and I'm exhausted at the end of the day from staring at a screen and talking to people on a screen. And I don't know, man, it's just kind of it's kind of wearing on me after a while. But I I guess I need to kind of break through that because what I'm hearing from Bree anyway, she keeps me updated on what's going on with my home group is it's just booming that the group group is growing. And she says that when we do start meeting in person, that we might need a bigger room. So that's, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I find, you know, I'm, I'm on the, the screen all day, every day as well. And some of it's, you know, service commitments, some of it's work and, and stuff. Um, but I find that, you know, uh, on days like that, I do just turn off my, my video and uh, put myself on mute and just listen. And, uh, and then, you know, that way I, I can be a part of the meeting and, and I'm aware of what people, you know, are, are, you know, going through. And if there's something that I'm really compelled to share, I can do that. But, but otherwise, it, it still keeps me, you know, in the habit, it still, you know, gets me a little bit outside of myself, um, you know, which is generally what I need to do. <laughs> if I'm having one of those days is to, to, you know, just kind of sit back and listen to other people's stories. And then I can still relate to what they're going through and what my experience is. And I, I usually feel better after the meeting. I can honestly say that, yeah, since, since this thing, I haven't attended a meeting on Zoom where I felt like I needed another meeting, whereas in person, there were many a times I attended a meeting where I'm like, I, I need a meeting because that <laughs> meeting just really messed me up. Well, <laughs> so. Peter says that in, that Zoom makes it easier for thumpers to come and preach at us. And I have not experienced that yet at, at our group, um, but I, I know that it, it, it does happen. And and as a result, I know some groups um, that are meeting, they don't they, they want to keep their meetings kind of small and just to their own group, probably for that very reason. They don't you get too many people coming in there. They might want to might want to harass. But I, I've not experienced any of that since and at any of the Zoom meetings that I've gone to. I've not experienced any of that. Yeah, I keep mine pretty tight. Yeah. And uh, and um, and I do, uh, you know, usually uh, three at least 
co-hosts um, so that if there's something that um, that I'm missing, somebody else can can jump in and uh, and have more eyes on it and, and things like that. So um, we haven't we haven't had that problem um, in our meeting. There, there have been a couple of times where it's the opposite, where somebody's really upset and uh, and, um, you know, and kind of going off on um on the opposite end of that. Um, but uh, we had a, a business meeting recently where we discussed that and, and decided that, you know, just some of the senior members would redirect. So whoever is leading the meeting, um, if it's, you know, enough people that you have to call on people, they'll just call on somebody who's more of a, a senior member to redirect the conversation away from God bashing or, or whatever that is. Um, but yeah, we haven't, we haven't had any of the, the thumpers or the bombers um, in our our meetings yet. So your group is so organized; it just blows me away. It just seems like you guys really have your act together. Um, I guess our group does too. <laughs> well, you haven't attended a business meeting, so that's you know, yeah. <laughs> oh well. So Dale, thank you very much again for coming out here on such short notice and talking about your book and talking about we agnostics and talking about oh all everything else that we've discussed today. It's been it's been an interesting conversation. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, thank you to uh, the listeners on Facebook and on YouTube. Um, it's been pretty it's pretty incredible that you know there's been thirty people you know throughout this thing listening to this podcast, and that's uh, it's a real compliment. It's a real honor to be able to spend this time with you. Uh, I love these Fridays. This is my this is probably the best and most important meeting that I get uh, during the week. Uh, so thank you for allowing me to do that. And Angela, thank you very much for yeah. all that you do here. Well, yeah, thanks for including me. Yeah. I appreciate that you that you invited me here, and and I, I hope that uh, we've somehow inspired people to think for themselves and interpret all this for themselves. Uh, so now that we've done we agnostics, we're going to have to jump into two lives next. I think. Yeah, when John <laughs> mentioned that, uh, let's talk about we agnostics and how you'd rewrite it. I'm like, I I actually have a bigger issue with to the wives. Yeah, he's like, we'll do that another time. <laughs> that sounds really good. I, we should. There's actually a lot of material in there. So. Yeah. So there yeah. we go. That's it. Uh, That's another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, and thank you for those who have shared with us that you've been listening. It really, really helps us. Absolutely. And thank you for calling in uh, from Virginia. That was really nice to hear from you again. And uh, so we're going to be back again next week. Um, If you have any ideas of anything that you'd like us to talk about or a guest that we should invite on the podcast, please uh, send us an email at um, editor at aabeyondbelief.org or john at aabeyondbelief.org or um, just post a message in the Facebook group, whatever. Um, I'd love to um, hear from you and and, and take your ideas. So uh, we're going to go ahead and call it a night. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again next week for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast.